On today's episode, I interviewed Eric Potter, who is a director of sports performance at Old Dominion University. He works specifically mostly with the basketball team, but also oversees the other Olympic sports. Uh, On today's episode, we kind of talked about some certain specifics to basketball training and what he does with, with his athletes. And a couple of these topics include his opinion on Olympic lifts, uh, squat depth, plyometrics within and without the season, how he does conditioning throughout the season, preseason and postseason. Uh, and then does he work in any deceleration and lateral training? And then if he does any sort of ankle slash knee injury risk reduction type exercises, And then we kind of went into just more uh, general topics with recovery and how he kind of keeps the players motivated. So it's a pretty comprehensive episode. Again, um, a lot of basketball specifics, but another, another great episode. So here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up to date evidence based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, coaches, parents of athletes, or any active person looking to improve their fitness or athletic ability. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I am Patrick Wood, your host, and today I have on Eric Potter, who is a director of sports performance at Old Dominion University. So he has some background working with basketball. Um, And so today we're going to talk a little bit about basketball specifically, but then a little bit also kind of about being that director of sports performance and what that entails. So thanks for being on, Eric. Uh, If you want to first just start telling a little bit of background of yourself, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, education-wise, experience-wise, and your current position. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, You know, I'll start off with kind of my athletic background. Um, So I played baseball growing up, and I was fortunate enough to get a baseball scholarship to the University of Maryland. Um, At that time, our coaches really put an emphasis on, you know, the training, the lifting, the nutrition, the conditioning, you know, all those things that was going to make me a better pitcher. Um, So I really took a liking to that and really started investing you know, a lot of time into learning about all those different types of things. Uh, my degree at the University of Maryland was in kinesiology. So a lot of the coursework I did was in kind of those same things, how the body moves, what you need to do, you know, for your body to perform optimally. Um, I played baseball for four years there. Um, after I graduated, again, I was lucky enough to get drafted by the Oakland Athletics. So I played parts of two seasons with Oakland A's. Um, and then I kind of realized, you know, I wasn't going to be a major league baseball player. So, um, at that time I was like, I need to get a real job. You know, I had my college degree and so I started in the personal training world. Um, and so I did that for about, you know, nine months or a year. And I realized like, I need to work with athletics. I need to work with athletes. You know, that's kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, that's kind of my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I started interning at ODU, um, Old Dominion University, and with football. And I interned there for six months, and kind of right place, right time. Um, after the spring semester, ODU let go of both their Olympic strength coaches. So I, I kind of fell into that position on an intern basis. I was training all the Olympic sports. Um, and again, you know, they interviewed some candidates and kind of just right place, right time. And I got offered an assistant position working mostly with baseball, but also, you know, six other Olympic sports and assisting with basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, from there, I worked there for three years and then I got promoted to working with basketball. Um, and I've been working with basketball, women's soccer, men's soccer, 
both golf programs for the past four years. Um, in my current role, I oversee all the Olympic sports. So that would be 13 Olympic sports, two assistants, GAs, interns. Uh, but again, my main sport responsibilities would be men's basketball, both soccer teams, both golf teams. Nice. And then maybe can we talk a little bit about kind of what that team entails of with that um, being the director of sports performance, kind of how you, I guess, what the positions the team entails of and then how you guys kind of work together to best manage the athlete. Um, you're talking about basketball specifically or for all the sports? Um, we can go, we'll, we'll go basketball first and then if, if there's anything different within all the, sport, all the sports, we can go there. Yeah, so I think with basketball... Um, you know, it's been a, a different athlete for me. You know, I played baseball, so I was used to, you know, a baseball athlete, which, you know, has pitchers who are their own breed and position guys who love to lift, who love working out, who love training. And basketball is a little different. Um, you know, they just want to hoop. They just want to play basketball. You know, they've been told their whole lives that squatting's bad for the knees. You know, if you get too big, you know, your shot, you know, mess up your shot. So that's a whole different thing that, you know, I've had to kind of adapt to. But I think basketball is a great sport to work with. You can see a lot of really good results. Um, and the good thing about basketball, especially in, you know, the NCAA, is they allow a lot of time um, from the strength coach with the team. And so we're training normally. Uh, obviously, we're in a different time right now. But we're normally training, you know, five days a week all summer. And then I have access to them all through the year. And so I kind of split the team up into different groups depending on what they specifically need. And, you know, in, every year it changes. Um, but for the most part, we normally have at least three cores of the guys that just need to get bigger and stronger. And so we're doing basic movements. We're doing a lot of hypertrophy, a lot of time under tension, you know, basic strength principles, basic overload principles. And we're trying to, you know, get as many calories in, you know, educate them about nutrition and we're just trying to get them bigger and stronger. We normally have, you know, a couple individuals that are older, more experienced, have trained for longer, and they've kind of, they're kind of at that strength max. You know, we don't really need them getting a whole lot stronger per se. And so we'll spend mm -hmm. more time on specific, you know, reactive stuff or explosive stuff. Um, so theirs is more, you know, speed-based, velocity-based, where, you know, their max strength numbers are really irrelevant at that point. And then yeah. we, we normally have a couple guys, one or two guys, three, you know, that need to work on their body composition. And so this would be, you know, we're probably going to add a little more, you know, conditioning, um, really focus in on the nutrition side of things and, and trying to uh, be creative with the conditioning. You know, I, I don't want mm -hmm. them just running miles and miles. So, you know, in the past we've done uh, boxing. We get a big, big uh, bag in the weight room. We do you know, jump ropes, different type of thing that, you know, is creative. And so they're not doing the same monotonous running all day long. Um, so yeah. in terms of um, how I kind of program throughout the year, it'll be kind of based upon, you know, those principles, you know, guided directly on what those groups need. And the way that our, uh, the way that our coach does it, he does a great job. You know, he lets me kind of do my own thing. He's really invested in like guys need to be strong you know, in shape, tough. Um, you know, our principles from a basketball perspective are defense and rebounding. So that kind of shows you what he values. Um, but we'll lift after practice, you know, once we get the preseason, once we get during the season. So that's something that I always have to account for um, when planning lifts. And so that's just a different variable 
um, you know, as we get into the season that, you know, I have to think about, obviously there's a three hour practice, you know, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time doing, you know, a lot of speed stuff or extensive plyos Mm -hmm. during lifts. Um, and then during the season, you know, he makes a priority recovery is very important. And then obviously lifting, you know, one to two times a week to keep our strength. Yep. Um, I guess we'll kind of go into some different specifics, uh, just questions I have um, that I've heard differences with, with basketball and kind of see your <clears throat> opinions on this and how yep. you use them. So I guess the first one, especially with the longer length, you guys, do you use Olympic lifts? And if so, what's your opinion on that with um, the those that type of athlete? Um, <laughs> Olympic lifts, I personally love. Uh, cleaning is probably my favorite movement to do personally. Mm-hmm. Um and I do it with some other sports, you know, women's soccer, you know, that's one of our main, you know, maximal tests, you know, with other sports in the past, I've used it also, but with basketball, I do not program Olympic lifts with the guys, uh, for a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. One, like I mentioned, you know, a couple minutes ago, we, pra- we lift after practice, basically, you know, seven or eight months during the year. And so I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to, you know, try to, program an olympic lift after a two or three hour practice um two you know the risk versus reward just isn't worth it to me uh you know most of my guys are super twitchy fast twitch guys anyway like power is not the quality that i'm really chasing um you know we have two or three guys over 40 41 inch verts like Hmm. why am i going to train you know Olympic lifts increase, you know, power per se, when I think, you know, a lot, they can't touch their toes or they can't do a single leg squat. I think that might have a lot more value. And then I think just the, um, our coach has a lot of team lifts, full team lifts. And, you know, I, I just think it's worked better for me. Uh, I just think it'd be very challenging for myself and with, you know, kind of the setup we have to try to teach and cue properly, you know, with a group of 15 guys in there at the same time. Um, and so I, I, I love Olympic lifts. I think they have value for some populations. I have nothing against them. Just with my guys right now, we do not use Olympic lifts. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the, what I've what I've heard as well, especially for that population. Um, what about uh, the other thing? I guess we'll talk about kind of the same sort of thing for that that particular athlete. What about squat depth? Um, what is your take on that? Um, with you know, are you trying to get your guys to get ninety? You're just trying to get them to get more realistic angle to a jump? Uh, I guess your opinion on that. I I personally think that any movement should be done in the full range of motion. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. you know there's some circumstances. Again, you know you have guys that are you know super strong, and you know we're working on different you know power reacting. You're doing you know half squats or whatever partial squat. That's great. Um, but for most of my team, basically 90% of the time, you know, we're doing full range of motion for every exercise we do. If we're doing a bench press, we're going all the way down to our chest. If we're doing a pull up, we're going arms locked to the bottom, chin above the bar. If we're doing a squat, we're going as low as they can. Ideally, you know, hit below the knee joint. We will use the, uh, squat wedges a lot, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take the ankle mobility out of the question a little bit. And should help the guys get in deeper ranges of motion. But, you know, I think you want to expose the athlete, you know, to the full range of motion that they might be, you know, facing in competition. And so I think you load it appropriately, make sure they have control doing it. Uh, but I think everything, squats, 
a lot of single leg stuff we do is that front foot elevated bulgarian split squats is that full range of motion yeah and i think that probably coincides a lot more with your goals too is if, if you're really trying to get um them to hypertrophy and kind of put on a little bit more muscle going through full range might help with that a little bit better yeah no doubt uh, so, sometimes just going off that sometimes you know guys are trying to you know i don't like to say firing certain muscles but like some of our like upper body work you know we're just trying to get mm-hmm. a pump or we're trying to work on you know a bicep or tricep day for younger guys that you know we're trying to get you know bigger we might do some partial range for that type of thing uh, but a yeah. lot of the main movements we're doing full range of motion yeah okay uh, I guess the next thing would be for so basketball players are jumping constantly during practice. It's part of their sport. It's important for their sport. But what about plyometrics within their training? Do you like to do that out of season, in season? Do you incorporate it at all? Um, or yeah, what's your opinion on those? I guess yeah. No plyometrics, I think have a lot of value. And you know the way our normal year would look would be you know we finish the year in you know March, hopefully April, you know whatever whatever that may be. <laughs> And then they have a couple weeks off, and then that whole st- spring training block, which is normally three weeks or so, we'll spend all our time doing landing mechanics, basic landing mechanics. Get back to like the rudimentary stuff, you know, how to land, where the weight should be distributed, um, and then kind of go from there. The first, I'm not going to say half of the summer, but maybe the first. If there's 12 weeks, the first four weeks of the summer, again, we'll really re-emphasize those same things and then the last half of the summer we'll spend time on you know developing you know power we'll do a lot of different plyometric stuff we'll do double leg we'll do split stance we'll do single leg we'll do lateral bounds broad jumps kind of what each guy specifically needs so we will spend a lot of time with plyometrics in the summer Um, once we get into the preseason before they start official team practice normally again we'll have five to six weeks and we'll still hammer the plyometrics during that time also. Because at that point, we might have one team workout a week and maybe one or two individuals. Um, so we still can you know, expose them to a bunch of jumps. And that should actually get them ready for practice and you know, the competition season. Once we start team practice, plyometrics are gone. They're jumping for two and a half hours straight. They don't need to spend a whole lot of time jumping. And then yeah. it, same thing goes once we're in season but there's a couple caveats to that if we have younger guys not it doesn't have to be younger if we have guys who we probably know are not going to be playing a lot or you know we as a coaching staff or the coaching staff lets me know hey this guy needs to get more explosive or jump higher those individuals are going to spend some more time on that um but usually the guys that are playing the guys that are you know the guys on your roster we're not going to spend much time, you know, working on plyometrics once the official team practice starts. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into two more questions here. First, so what what type of uh, landing type drills do you do, um, or working on that landing um, with the jumps? I know you kind of said what you did for the plyometric stuff, but do you have any examples of um, just making sure that landing is properly? Once, yeah, when starting with that. Yeah, so we'll uh, we have like eighteen inch, twenty four inch boxes, so we'll spend a lot of time jumping off those double leg jumping off those double legs sticking it jumping straight up we'll do it on some smaller boxes we'll do single leg jumps to the front single leg jumps from the side single leg jumps from the other side so you know outward and inward and straight out to the front um so we'll like i said that first four that first four weeks in the summer we'll spend every lower body day working on those basic jump stick you know working on making sure 
the weight isn't on the heel, but also not on the toe. It's in the middle, making sure the knee angle is proper, chest is up, you know, hips are low. Really basic stuff, but you know, you got to make sure that they know what they're doing. And, and going off of that, sometimes guys have been there for two or three years. We're not going to spend as much. They know what they're doing, so they might advance to going right to the plyos. Um, but we'll always start with some of those the first couple of weeks and then kind of build up depending on what each guy needs. Yeah, okay. And then for those, uh, you talked about the players that didn't necessarily play a major role during the season. Um, how, how different did the, the workouts for them look in the beginning in the, or like in the kind of like preseason leading up to it and then in season, what are you doing differently um, between those two groups? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to do a more of a micro dosing with those guys. So they're going to get something every day. And I think the guys, you know, because a lot of times the guys who aren't playing much, they're on the practice squad. So they're getting beat up during practice. They're doing, they're running, they're doing, I mean, I'm not going to say twice as much work, but they're doing a lot more work than some of the other guys. And so mm-hmm. they, they can't be completely exhausted during practice. So we'll yeah. do um, about, 20 to 30 minutes before practice with those guys. And it might be upper body day. It might be lower body day. Uh, but it's just something every day. And, again, some some of those guys need to get bigger and stronger. So we're going to do more strength-based stuff. You know, For example, it might be you know we have two guys that need to get bigger. So they're going to do, let's say, five sets of three trap bar deadlifts paired with another movement. Where we have some guys that need to get more explosive. So they might do you know five sets of five on the Vertimax. And so that, that might be the difference between, you know, the two groups. But we're doing something every day. Maybe we're doing a bench day before practice, and one group's, again, doing those strength numbers. And one group is, you know, doing speed with chains paired with, you know, plyo push-up. Mm-hmm. And, and so those guys that aren't playing as much, we're definitely going to get something basically every day. And then when we're on the road, they're definitely going to get some training effects also. <laughs> And then how, how individualized do you make uh, the programs for the players? Because it seems like you have quite a few groups in there that you're working on specifics within, within their weaknesses. Yeah, um, obviously it, get, it gets tough when you have the full team in there. <laughs> and yeah. so during those lifts when, you know, everyone's just getting their lift together, sometimes everyone's doing the same lift. Like if it's an upper body day, for the most part, most guys are going to do pretty similar upper body movements. Lower body uh, a lot of times we'll go maybe two different groups if it's the full team. And then again, those guys that might need extra, they're going to kind of be doing different stuff, completely different stuff than the rest of the guys. So I don't really have an exact answer for that. Yeah, uh, that you know, sense. it changes by week. It changes by month. Depends if you're playing more or less. So, yeah, but I'm at, we try yeah. to cater it the most, the best we can to each guy. Yeah. Uh, I guess kind of moving on into, uh, conditioning. We talked a little bit about that in the beginning. Um, what What's your take on conditioning? You said you do a little bit that preseason phase. What about during season at all? Do you any conditioning at all, or is that just practice? Um, <laughs> normally just practice. So we'll do yeah. the uh, in the preseason. We'll do the ladder. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a conditioning test for basketball. Basically, you know, you go up, you split the team up into guards and bigs. And you, you'll go, guards will go one length of the court, then bigs will go. Then it's three, then it's five, then it's seven, then it's nine and 11. Mm-hmm. And then back down. And there's different tiers. There's ladder one, ladder two, ladder three. Um, our coach loves it. I think it's a pretty good, you know, test. And we'll do that six times total before they start practice. So you know, the guys yeah. can get geared up. They love it. Just kidding. <laughs> they, they dread it. 
but we'll do like say like a Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday. And so that'll be our conditioning. And then once, you know, team practice starts, there's really no conditioning. Um, our coach does a really good job, though, of adding conditioning when needed. Um, yep. But also, I mean, our practices are pretty high intensity. So the guys, you know, get that training effect from a conditioning perspective um, during practice. If we have, every now and then we have, you know, a couple guys that need extra. And so they'll go after practice with me or they'll go in the mornings with me. Um, but again, normally maybe it's one or two guys and, uh, you know, our coach is big on recovery. So once we get playing, you know, he wants to recover more as opposed to do more, which I think is really yeah. smart. And we've had a pretty good track record from an injury perspective, um, of dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, I'll go one more kind of on that. And then I want to talk about re- <clears throat> the recovery aspect. Um, what you, you kind of talked about in the beginning of making, trying to make it somewhat fun conditioning wise, you have any examples of things you do to kind of get the guys enjoying it, trying to enjoy conditioning as much as possible, I guess. Um, so <laughs> yeah, during the, uh, summer on Friday mornings, we always do something not in the weight room. Um, mm-hmm. so we wake up at whatever seven or eight, you know, somewhat early, but some of the things we've done in the past, we've gone to the football field and played, uh, you know, two in touch football. We've gone to the football field, done sled pushes, races, We've done, uh, you know, ultimate football, not ultimate frisbee, but ultimate football. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do probably in the world is medicine ball volleyball. And yep. so, so that that's like the highlight of my summer. And so we'll mm-hmm. do that anytime that it's not super rainy, so the court's not drenched and it's not cold. So in a good year, we'll get six to eight med ball volleyball games in um, on that Friday Last summer, actually, I pulled out dodgeball a couple times, and you, you know, I, I played with them. And you don't realize actually, you actually get a pretty good workout if you're doing it right. Yeah, you know, you're moving, and you know, it's great. Um, so I think a lot of times it's just different relays, med ball, volleyball, dodgeball, something different where they're not. Uh, we've done some rope challenges where we we get that rope, the heavy rope, and we do it. You know, each guy goes for thirty or forty five seconds. Everyone's you know amped up. Um, it's just a whole different beast. So you just try to switch it up, keep it new, keep it fresh. Yep. Uh, and then kind of going back, we'll go back to that recovery aspect you're talking about. Um, what, uh, cause the season is so long and I'm not exactly sure on your schedule, how much you guys travel, but in general, basketball travels quite a bit. What, what do you guys do? And what do you, what is your coach like to implement to try to keep the players recovered as much as possible to perform the highest each week? Yeah, well, uh, like I said previously, our coach does a great job from a recovery standpoint. Um, so some of the things that he implements, and I'll kind of go into some of the you know performance stuff, is during the year when guys, if you play 40 minutes, you're basically going to have an off day the next practice. Hmm. That's kind of his thing. If he thinks a guy played a lot and looks tired or needs a rest, he will rest him during that practice. We'll go through the warm-up. They might come with me, do like an extended stretch, and that's it for the day, which is which has been you know phenomenal. And I think, you know, I don't I don't know whether that's like kind of new, but like it makes the most sense. Yeah. And so we'll normally have at least one to two guys sitting out that Monday practice. So our conference we play on Thursday and Saturday, um, and then Sunday's a travel day or just an off day. So Monday will be you know kind of getting back in the swing of things, getting ready for that next game. Um, so a lot of times we'll have a lighter practice on that Monday and 
one or two or three guys will have basically off, which is been, which is huge. Um, another thing that we implemented two years ago was massages every two weeks, and I think that's mm-hmm. been a game changer. Um, you know, they'll come in, like I said, it's normally every two weeks, depending on the year or depending on you know, you know, sometimes three, sometimes one. Um, so the guys have loved that. You know, obviously, some guys get 30 minutes, some guys get an hour. Normally, if you play 40 minutes, you're going to get a longer massage. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> that's just how life is. It's motivation. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have started doing cryotherapy. And again, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen, you know, conflicting research, but we offer it. We got a pretty good deal and we offer it. Hey, this is an option. If you'd like to come, cryo will be there from, you know, two to four, go and if not, that's up to you. But so that's been really good. One thing that I think the guys really enjoy is we got recovery tights. When I first you know, started with basketball, the previous strength coach had got a deal with 2XU for recovery tights. And I was kind of mm-hmm. skeptical, honestly. But you wear those things and you feel amazing the next day. And so we, you know, we give those to the guys. And so my you know, recommendation is that they wear them every night. Or especially traveling, you know, back from a game, or if, if we're at home, obviously they wear them to bed, and that's one of the yep. that's one of the few things that I actually don't have to, you know, beg them to do because they actually yep. really enjoy wearing them, and you know they see the value in wearing them, so they do it themselves. So I would say you know those three things have been huge, um, yep. from the massages to the cryo to the uh, recovery tights. Nice. Uh, I guess going back to kind of training here, what's, uh, how much do you work on or what drills do you implement uh, to do like a deceleration? Do you do any work on that specifically? Uh, from, from like a running perspective? Yeah, yeah. So, or just like a, like a yeah, mechanics perspective. So like uh, on, if you do on, on the court or on the field, like conditioning type stuff, do you work on deceleration at all or any drills with that? Yeah, so in the summer, again, we'll a lot of times for the warm-up for like a lower body day, um, you know, we'll do at least two to three times per week. Um, so one day it might be a lateral mechanics day. So we're working on slides. So accelerating, then coming to a stop or change direction and then decelerating. We'll do one day more of like a crossover day where they have, they're pretend they're like in the paint. They have to cross over to close out the corner, um, and really work on their footwork. So we'll spend, you know, again, at least two times a week as part of the warm up. On one day with the slides, some more of the lateral movement, and then one day of the crossover of opening their hips up and then decelerating on that closeout or just going to a space, you know, and stopping. Mm-hmm. And then, how much do you think? Uh, do, do you uh, think it is important to you to also kind of have those mechanics, but make sure they have the strength? I mean, to do all those type of things is that a big emphasis in the program as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know. I think we all know it goes hand in hand. You know, the athletes who are poor, more poor in their deceleration and their mechanics when they're moving are the ones who are tighter and also who are weaker. And so I think you know it's teaching them the mechanics from a movement perspective, but also it's getting them stronger in those movements. And so I, I mean, I think it seems what you're kind of going for is that yeah, that, I think they have a correlation. Um, yeah, we spend a lot of times and, you know, the hope is that the amount of time we spend on all the single leg work, the squats, the deadlifts, the flexibility, the mobility work that translates to them moving better 
um, faster, more efficiently, and you know their movement patterns better. Yeah. Do you implement any sort of uh, like knee or ankle type exercises to kind of help with the injury risk reduction for anything like that with the players? Um, so we we added. I always offer TKEs as something for the guys to do before practice. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a simple movement. It's very low impact. You know, I don't know if it's the best exercise, but the guys like it and they feel like it warms up their knees. It feels like their quads are stronger. So I think that has a, if not anything, a psychological effect. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of ankle mobility, we spent a lot of time. Um, I wish we did it more and all the guys would show up, but I'm always there obviously before practice. And so, you know, my recommendation is to come in barefoot, roll out your feet, do a lot of big toe mobility where you're pulling up and down, full range of motion. You're doing a full ankle mobility circuit. So it could change by the day. It could just be circles. It could be, you know, with a band. Um, You know, I think that's something that, you know, you should do every day. And I try to get the guys. And Mm. uh, we do do it some, but I wish we did that every day. Um, and then from a knee perspective, you know, I think we spent a lot of time on a lot of single leg strength movements. And so the way I like to program is, you know, we'll do our front squat, I like front squats, we'll do our, you know, trap our deadlifts, you know, we'll try to load those up. But we also will spend a lot of times during our lifts, we'll do one strength single leg movement. So that could be your Bulgarians, that could be your front foot elevated split squats, your regular split squats, lunges. Anything that's loaded, so we're trying to get stronger. But also, we always do, I call them single leg integrity exercises. So it's always body weight. And they're doing as slow as they can, controlled, you know, make sure the knee doesn't go all sorts of crazy, you know, in that full range of motion. So we're doing pistol squats, we're doing single leg squats, we're doing skater squats. And so they're all body weight, so, you know, simple. But, you know, we got to do them properly and you have to have complete control. And then the guys that you know, perfect those, we'll actually load those also. And so, you know, one of my favorite exercises, probably that loaded pistol squat, you know, nice and controlled, and then you explode up to that full range of motion. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, your question was about knee, any specific knee exercise. I think, you know, getting that quad stronger, getting those movement mechanics from a lower body perspective, you know, more efficient, I think that should take care of kind of any knee issues we might have. Yeah, and then... So kind of talking about too, with, with having to practice in season and lift after the practice, I guess what, um, how often a week, I guess, again, do you do that? And then how long is your weight session? Technically, you're just getting in and getting that, those main points hit and then getting out of there as quick as possible to, you know, get the most benefit without taking up the most time. Yeah, no, great question. So we're getting, we're trying to get at least two lifts in, um, during conference play. So obviously we're mm-hmm. playing Thursday, Saturday. We'll normally get a lower body lift in on Monday and then an upper body core, whatever you want to call it, on Tuesday. The big thing from our coach is he wants them in and out in 30 minutes. So kind of mm-hmm. like you said, like we just need to get our work in. And so it's not crazy. It's not you know advanced. We're doing our main movement and maybe a couple accessory movements, and they're out. And mm-hmm. again, guys that actually need to lift more, we'll lift more on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And even guys that play a lot, if they wanted to come in before one of the days, he's cool with that. But from the team perspective, 30 minutes in and out, Monday and Tuesday. And sometimes Tuesday turns into, hey, 
guys are kind of wiped out. We're just going to do a stretch after practice today. And again, that will kind of, you know, depend on the week. If we just had a long road trip, it might be more of a recovery day on Tuesday after practice. Yeah. And then warm-up-wise, are they pretty warm coming in from practice so you don't have to deal as much with that and can more just do maybe some couple mobility things and then hop in the session? Or how does that kind of work with the 30 minutes being yeah. a cap? <laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so one thing that two, – two, thing, two things from that. So one is that when I far, first started working with basketball, um, I didn't realize the extent how tired or fatigued or how not in a good mood they were after practice. And so <laughs> – what we would do is, you know, they'd be, you know, taped for practice and have braces for practice. That's kind of, you know, our thing. And so I would give them, you know, okay, as soon as we get in the lift, you know, take your tape off, take your braces off. Because obviously, you know, if we're doing, you know, that lower body work, I want that full range of motion. I don't want it. It's restricted. You know, all that good stuff. But then what it, what it turned into was five to ten minutes of just nonsense, just complaining about practice, complaining about getting yelled at not wanting to do yeah. anything. And so, you know, 10 minutes out of lift time, we're already taken up. So one thing, one of the better things I've done is we don't do that anymore. So as soon yeah. as practice is done, everyone gets some water real quick, chugs, you know, some Gatorade, and we get right into practice. And so I think that's one thing that's made it more efficient. Um, and I, I think the coach has thought that's a good idea because, you know, it's annoying sometimes when you're just watching guys take forever to get their tape or braces off. Yeah. Um. um Oh, sorry, I can keep going. Oh, no, that's it, that's it. Okay. Uh, I guess for, what about working with the injured players coming back off of an injury? How much are you involved in that, and then what kind of is your role? Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, you know, involved, you know, pretty extensively. Our athletic trainer does a good job, and if guys are coming back from an injury, we talk every day, and, you know, sometimes, you know, he'll be doing stuff with him before practice, and then me during practice, um, but, you know, we're talking every day and figuring out what the best protocol is for that person moving forward. So, you know, we have we have good communication. And, you know, we both kind of work together on trying to figure out, you know, how to get that athlete back on the court. Mm-hmm. And then do you do, uh, like, you, you try to get them in doing as much work as they can while they're still injured and doing the rehab? Or do you guys kind of incorporate the rehab into a lift at all? Or how does that kind of work? Yeah, both. I mean, sometimes, you know, we've had – Knock on wood, we've had one ACL in the four years that I've, you know, been with basketball. And it was a shame because he's one of the stronger um, mm. individuals. But, you know, sometimes that just happens. But so yeah. with, with him, you know, he's going to do a lot of stuff from a rehab perspective with, you know, the athletic trainer. And then he'll also do stuff with me um, from a strength perspective. And then some days we'll both be working with him on, you know, say we're progressing to our single leg strength movements. You know, the athletic trainer will be in there. I'll be in there. We'll both, you know, be double teaming, you know, making sure he's doing things right and, you know, progressing appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess also with the athletes now, and a, so a big new thing now is tech. How much do you, how much data monitoring do you use? Do you use any data monitoring? Is there anything specific that you found beneficial or anything like that? Um, our coach is kind of old school. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the heart rate monitoring um, and the GPS monitoring, he might not care that much for. Um, mm-hmm. So we haven't done a whole lot from that perspective. Uh, we used to have Sparta Science a couple of years ago, which I thought was good. We're looking at a uh, maybe a different type of 
force plate technology this year that we can use more frequently. Um, unilateral, so we can you know measure the difference between the two legs, and then also you know peak output. Um, but like I said, we're looking for something more frequently, maybe every day, every other day, to keep a constant you know monitoring of where they're at. And then one thing that we started to do last year, and we're going to pick it up, is from a sleep perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the capability to get all the guys like aura rings or any of that, you know, <laughs> other technology, but we're going to do more of a questionnaire, um, yep. from a fatigue perspective, a hours of sleep perspective, you know, how sore they are and then use that and, you know, put it in a database and, you know, create scores for them. You know, nothing crazy, but something a little more data driven. Um, yeah. and the guys did it, we did the sleep stuff last year and the guys I think did a pretty good job. <laughs> Um, you know, if they slept four hours, they'd say I slept four hours. So at least they're being honest. I and mean, that's the biggest thing. I don't want them telling me they yeah. slept 10 and then they only slept four. Um, mm-hmm. So our sleep habits need to improve a lot. But I think, you know, it was a good start. Um, and I think, you know, their honest responses, you know, should help paint a clearer picture moving forward. Yeah. Did you use any other questions within the questionnaire? Or was it mainly just kind of working on that sleep? So sleep, soreness, um, those are the two big things. How they, yeah. basically how they felt at one to five, and sleep was yeah. hour, hours of sleep. Do you find that pretty beneficial, or do you find do you just having a conversation? Do you still prefer over that, or just a combination of them? I think a combination of them. I, I think still talking to them every day. Hey, how you feeling? Oh, I'm really sore. Or oh, I feel great. I think that has a lot of value because um, they mm-hmm. feel like you're taking you know an interest in them and you're caring about you know how they feel. And, you know, sometimes as coaches, you don't always feel like asking how they feel every day. But I think from an athlete perspective, you know, if they're fully invested in getting better, I think they appreciate that. Um, but then also from a tech, not from a uh, monitoring thing, I think it's cool seeing, hey, this guy slept eight hours, six hours, eight hours, four. Okay, you slept four. What's going on, man? You know, is everything okay? Blah, blah, blah. And so I think mm-hmm. both in the combination, you know, has a pretty large effect when you don't have access you know, to, you know, some more expensive technology. Yep. And then what if, uh, what, if it is mid season or just where they're kind of worn down or just, I guess in general, any time throughout the season, if players come in kind of unmotivated after practice, something just got yelled at, how, do, what would you say to a player that comes in kind of unmotivated to, to really try and get them to, you know, give all they have every single rep? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, you know, one of the bigger struggles in my position um, and so I think you gotta, I always try to stay positive and let them know that, you know, what we're doing is going to have a positive benefit on their performance. And so, you know, I think my first couple of years, sometimes I used it as like, come on, man, like, are you serious? And it wasn't as, you know, it, you know, if you're an athlete, like why does this guy attack me? Like, I'm not, I don't, if he's going to attack me, like I'm not going to give my full effort. So trying to be more. All right, okay, so let's go. Obviously, we know, you know, you had a tough practice. We had a tough practice, but, you know, I need 30 minutes. You know, we have four movements. We have whatever it is. We need to attack this, finish out the day. We know this is going to help us for the next day, for the rest of the year. And, you know, try to show them or provide them, you know, why this is important, why they should, you know, try to dig deep for that next 20, 30 minutes and then kind of go from there. And that's kind of one thing that I think is – 
would, I mean, if, for myself, it would have been beneficial, but I want to see your take on it of explaining the players why, you know, why you're doing this, um, even like a little bit scientifically as well, whereas some guys are going to buy into that and be like, oh, that makes sense, or some guys are like, shut up and just tell me what to do. So kind of where's your in-between on that, or do you have an in-between on that of like, here, guys, this is what we're doing today, this is why we're doing it, and then you go into it? So I normally will explain you know, what we're doing. And then for new exercises or for certain exercises, I'll explain briefly, you know, why we're doing that. For some of the other athletes that I know, you know, need a deeper understanding. They need to know why they're doing it. A lot of times I'll go to them individually and explain it. Um, Because like you said, I know sometimes if I start going to the science of the different body parts and, you know, this study, like some some guy they're going to be like, okay, shut up, dude. Like we don't care. You know, I I don't want to lift anyway. Now you're telling me about science. That's the last thing I want to hear. And so yeah. I think, you know, and for everything, you know, from my coaching perspective, I, you know, I think try to keep it as simple as possible. And mm-hmm. then if they ask questions, that's when you dig deeper. You dive deeper into why you're doing certain things. You know, I think you always have the rationale, but you don't always have to pull it out immediately because then you might lose some of your athletes. You can always tell more to certain athletes, but when you start talking and yapping and you can see their eyes just glaze over, like you've lost that athlete for the time being. So, yep. Uh, what would you say that some of the, uh, I guess, main takeaways for training basketball athletes you'd want to give people? That you need to expose them constantly to strength. <laughs> uh, I think you need to spend a lot of time on hip and ankle mobility. I think you need to spend a lot of time on lower body strength, especially single leg strength. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like to do is they always have jerseys on. So I spent a lot of time on arm development and I know it's funny, but like there, there's something yeah. to be said for you looking in the mirror and you're a little more swole like that, <laughs> that builds the confidence and that, you know, that makes their self-esteem go up and it, it helps with everything. And again, that's a psychological mm-hmm. thing, but you know, we know when we get to the division one level, the professional level, everyone has talent, everyone has skill. It's, you know, what, separates you from that next guy and a lot of times it's the mental makeup of that individual um so anything you can do to kind of help build that confidence build that self-esteem i think has a lot of value yep what would you say the biggest thing um if you could tell yourself as an athlete now that you know what would you say the biggest thing you kind of tell yourself now would be oh i like that more is not better okay um so when i when i when I was an athlete, you know, I always thought doing more and maybe not as as well as I could, but just finding a way to do more all the time was the mm-hmm. answer. And I think, you know, doing things better is better and spending more time on, you know, some of the recovery tactics. Um, you know, I think I have notoriously been a poor sleeper. I'm more of a night owl. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm the most, you know... You know, uh, I get most of my work done in ideal world from 9 p.m. till 11:30. I get in a zone, and that's not great for sleep. So when I was in college, I, you know, like most college athletes or most college people, you know, I, I did not get good sleep. I get four to six hours of sleep, and that wasn't enough. And mm-hmm. I think we all know now that you know sleep is important, and then better is better. More is not yeah. better. Yeah. Do you see that kind of within your athletes too that you train that they some of them have that same type of mentality? Um, from the more is better. Yeah, yeah. Or is some, it more basketball is better than, than necessarily more lifting, but still, like, is that yeah. kind of something you see? 
Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you'll, you, you know, these guys will play, you know, three hours of pickup and then, you know, mm-hmm. get three hours of sleep and <laughs> they wonder why they feel terrible the next day. And that's just a, you know, a continuing trend, you know, throughout their four-year career. And it's not everyone, but, you know, that's, you know, what we've, what we deal with a lot is lack of sleep. And then, you know, oh, I went to the rec to play pickup. Okay, watch you do that? You play for three hours when we have practice tomorrow, and then they're yep. not great at practice. So I, th- yep. I think you'll definitely see that with some athletes, um, and and those certain guys, and and some guys we have, we've had some guys in the past we've had to kind of tell them to get out of the gym. You know they'll they'll go to the gym from nine p.m. themselves, get individual workouts from nine to twelve, not sleep, and you know so I think better again, better training is better. So you know more intent. During individual workout, more intent during a lift, um, and make it you know a more efficient, better routine. Yeah, no, I like that because I kind of agree. When I when I swam in college, it was by Wednesday I was fried, and by Thursday Friday my practices were trash. Well, swimming is a whole different beast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, still, it's it's that same principle. I think I think like if I if I were to be like, oh, I need to take it easier today especially trying to be a leader upon the team, it was like, oh, he's, you know, he's slacking off or, you know, not as strong as he should be. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I like, I like the, instead of framing it like better is better. It makes, it makes more sense than you're, you know, doing less to recover quote unquote is, you know, weak. So yeah, that's, I like that point. Um, I guess we'll kind of go, go on to this one. This one I like to ask in the end of the show is what would you say within kind of the strength and conditioning realm? It can be basketball. It can be anything in general. What would you say your biggest pet peeve that you're just harping on people to, no, this is the right answer, and it's still still not what people kind of come come to you every time and, and think is how it is? Interesting. Mm. I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I think not only in our profession but in any profession – Ego is the issue that comes into play. Um, mm-hmm. And so for, for two reasons. One is ego with the coaches. Um, so obviously, you know, in my role and in any college athletics, the coaches make the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's they recruit the athletes. They make, you know, the big salaries. So... It's their team. It's you know it, it's not your team, and so I think, you know, too many times I hear you know this is my program. This is no, it's it's that head coach's program, and and whether right or wrong, you know, we can all talk about you know if a head coach gets fired, you know, they should be able to hire or fire their strength coach, and, and that's a, that's a that's a good conversation to have. I'm not taking anything away from that, but at the end of the day, when you have head coaches making you know millions of dollars, and you know strength coach is making one twentieth of that or one tenth of that, like you have to know like you're serving that head coach. You, you know, you're you're doing what that head coach wants you to do with his athletes or her athletes. Um mm-hmm. that also goes with you know from an athlete perspective. I think some like and obviously no one's perfect and I am no, by no means perfect, but I, I always try to look at it like what I want me as a strength coach when I was in college. And, you know, am, am I, you know, sometimes helping or am sometimes I'm, you know, getting mad at stupid things. I'm not being supportive enough. And so I think sometimes ego can get in the way of like, I have to be right, I have to be right, I have to be right. And you, you can't show your true color sometimes to athletes when in actuality, 
you know, they want to be supported. They want to be helped as opposed to being yelled at and, you know, told they're doing wrong. Like, I think just like anyone, if you're yelled at and told you're doing something wrong versus, hey, next set, you know, let's work on, you know, getting a little low. That's going to help with this. That's going to have a lot better influence than, you know, the mm-hmm. first thing. So I, and I, I know I kind of answer your question, but I, I think, you know, ego is one of the things that drives me a little crazy, you know, in all, in all careers, but also, you know, especially in our career, you know, sometimes you got to realize like you're, you know, the support staff, you're helping those athletes and that coach, you know, achieve, you know, optimal results in that sport. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that that answered it perfectly. I mean, that's kind of the point, just to get some people fired up about some things. And, okay. So yeah, yeah, we're twelve. Well, thanks, Eric, for being on. Really appreciate it. Um, do you have anywhere that you share? I don't know, like either um, stuff you're doing in the weight room, or just and anything like that, where people can follow you, see what you do, and contact you, ask questions, anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to be a little more uh, a little more social on social media. So I got Twitter and uh, Instagram, Be Elite Daily. Um, so I'm trying to post, you know, more of my meals, some nutrition tips, and obviously, uh, if we're on campus, I, I normally post a lot of our training uh, with men's basketball, you know, women's soccer, men's soccer, and the golf teams, you know, when we're back on campus. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm trying to, you know, give some good tidbits every day on both those. So yeah, give me a follow, Be Elite Daily. Okay, awesome. I'll put those in the show notes um, um, uh, for this episode. And So, again, thanks for being on, Eric. Really appreciate it and great information. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.